0: The following content has been rated for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed
0: four or five hundred people. Then I would have felt better. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent names.
1: Welcome to The Squonk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two.
0: Dun-dun-dun!
1: My name is Mo.
0: And I'm Kraken.
1: Welcome on in, guys, to another episode of The Squonk and the Hag! With me as always, it's...
0: The Frogs, or the Krako, or whatever I am. The Bunyip.
1: (laughs) No one has any idea what you are or why (laughs) why are cracko good question i will say thank you last week was all your idea and i thank you for that uh as you said i was i was under the weather i had covid so i was kind of just like a a immovable lump in bed so
0: and sometimes you need to just be a lump in bed.
1: This is true. This is true. But I mm-hmm. luckily am feeling better. Still got a little bit of schmutz in the face, schmutz in the throat, but I got a bag of cough drops. And uh, I was under the incredible medical care of Sir Chef Dr. Dweddeswill until he's the third MD PhD Esquire, aka my cat witch.
0: the best part about that is, like, he's a doctor, he's also a chef, so, like, you have everything covered with one cat.
1: And a lawyer.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: He's got, he's got, I got everything covered in one cat.
0: Wedge is the type of lawyer to show up to the case defending someone for, like, a serious crime, opens the suitcase, and there's just soup in there.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess the addendum is that he is an orange cat, so he does have to share the brain cell with all other orange cats on the planet.
0: Yes, yes. They're connected through Bluetooth.
1: (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so this week is a motel, and uh, I do apologize for what story we are going to be covering tonight, which is Mm -hmm. possibly one of the most prolific serial killers. Um, A lot of people may be familiar with the general concept of this story if they don't know the details, but we are going to be going into a lot of detail on it, and I I do want to start now, this should tell you what kind of story this is, when I am starting out with disclaimers, because usually I, like to me, so little phases me with true crime anymore that I don't think of saying, hey, but this one I was like, oh, I should probably say some things
0: so if it's bad when you say a disclaimer how bad is it whenever I have to say a disclaimer
1: yeah yeah and you do
0: I was like if if your disclaimers are bad (laughs) what are mine (laughs) mine are just worse well
1: yours always end up weird
0: (laughs) it's what I do thank you
1: yeah you're welcome So this episode, we are going to Wichita, Kansas, and we're going to talk about Dennis Rader, who is the sexual sadist serial killer known as BTK. Those disclaimers. um, There will be description of severe violence and murder of children in this. So if that is a sensitive spot, I would definitely suggest not listening. Uh, Also, this is... Less of a disclaimer of what we're going to be talking about, but we are going to be speaking about sexual fe- that fetishes, and I wanted to put out there that there's nothing wrong with fetishes or bondage, BDSM, any of that kind of stuff, as long as you're practicing with a consenting partner. The thing that happens in this story is there is no consent, and it ends in murder, So while we may have some negative tone about it, it is not judging you. If you practice any of that stuff, it is judging a complete and utter monster who did horrible things and terrorized many, many people.
0: So on that note, I have to break the seriousness and say, I have a new merch idea. We need a shirt with our logo in the middle, and it just says... The squonk and the hag. We don't kink shame until it gets murdery. (laughs) And and then quotes in the bottom, just even then we'll probably just write about you.
1: Oh God. I mean, I will say you and I, you've said it many times, we deal with heavy things with laughter and humor. So that was not unexpected. It was just earlier than I thought it would be.
0: It's going to be one of those nights.
1: It's going to be one of those nights. So, uh, yeah. And then the last disclaimer is, as I said, I'm getting over being sick. This has nothing to do with the story itself. But you may hear a cough drop in my mouth, like hitting my teeth or something when I talk. Um, This is to not sit here and have... Coughing fits while telling the story, but I'm I'm excited to cover this. I'm nervous to cover this because it is such a famous story, but I wanted I wanted to cover it and towards the end you'll understand why this is coming up now as well. So are we ready, Krakow?
0: I mean, given the nature of the story, as ready as we can be.
1: <laughs> so March 9th, 1945, Dorothea and William Rader welcomed their oldest son Dennis into the world uh both parents worked a lot of long hours and while they didn't abuse or physically hurt their children they were extremely distant and ignored their kids even when they were at home starting young I didn't see at what age but I did see that it was young Dennis started to exhibit early signs of deviant behavior with fantasies of torturing trapped and helpless women. Through the years, interviews, and things like that, uh, a lot of his anger with his parents was directed towards his mother. So um, he focused in on torturing women. He also practiced sadism. Which is the torturing, killing, and hanging of small animals?
0: Well, now this is just already we've just gone downhill. It's not even a hill; it's just a cliff.
1: Yeah, we we started out with born, and then we just jumped right off the cliff.
0: He was born, and then he became a monster. But um, you know how we mention NPC names in this? Mm-hmm. Um, Bill sometimes being short for William. Bill Raider sounds like a good NPC name.
1: It does. It does. Maybe spell it R-A-I-D-E-R, just so that it's not connected to, you know, serial killer.
0: Fair. Yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah, Bill Raider does sound like, he sounds like uh, like head of the town guard or something like that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say either that or like a war chief or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As he aged into adolescence, he would act out his three sexual fetishes of voyeurism, autoerotic asphyxiation, and cross-dressing. He started to spy on women in the neighborhood, and then would go home, dress in women's clothing and underwear, which he had stolen, bind himself on the arms and neck, and then use like a door or something like that to choke himself as he masturbated. This scene actually may sound a little familiar if you've seen the show Mindhunter, because one of the arcs that they had where it was like the present day guy, quote unquote, present day at the time guy, um, going through these things. And that actually was, they were depicting Raider. They were depicting this guy. Uh, And I know you and I have talked about this, but I really want Mm. season three and it makes me so angry that we don't have season three.
0: Just patiently waiting. I So patient.
1: I'm beginning to think it might not happen. Anyway. <clears throat> there's there's always a glimmer of hope, but that glimmer is getting fainter.
0: I mean, do we need to record bootleg Mindhunter season three?
1: <laughs> it's just the two of us doing all the different voices
0: no 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 you misunderstand we'll just do jump cuts and like we'll never show us and the criminals in the same scene because we'll just be acting out the criminals like I'll play one of the criminals I'll just have like one of those peel and stick mustaches on but we'll have to call it something different than Mind Hunter, so there's no copyright issue we'll call it like brain finder or something like that
1: welcome to season 3 of brain finder uh-
0: <laughs> what happened to season 1 and 2 Um, it's unrelated no, no,
1: don't worry about it <laughs>
0: Oh my god, wait a minute. I'm sorry, but why- You have the glasses, no offense. You have the glasses, I just need the mustache and a bald cap and I can pull off a Dennis Raider look for season three.
1: Does that make me Dahmer?
0: (laughs) I mean, honestly, it would be kind of funny if you were on the show. (laughs) I mean, I got the glasses. (laughs) We'll just swap the glasses. It's the same three costumes.
1: So I'm going to say that doing this while sick, I am in extreme pain from laughing right now.
0: I'll do you one better. I won't even get a ball cap. I'll just shave the horseshoe shape in my head and then I'll just have to wear a wig for the other scenes. (laughs) All the other scenes from there on out is just it's just a different hat.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, okay. So I, I'm trying to stay on track because we're, we're flying through his early life. Uh, I know sometimes I try to dig deep in these, but there's a lot to this story. So um, directly after high school, he attended Kansas Wesleyan University, but due to mediocre grades, dropped out just after a year. Then, at this point, he joined the U.S. Air Force and served from 1966 to 1970. He completed his basic training at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas, and then he was stationed in Okinawa and Tokyo before being honorably discharged. So, he was a U.S. Air Force veteran. Fair enough. Yeah, which is, like, it kind of hits me because usually when you think of... A military veteran you think of you know honoring them and you think of like when you go to a sporting event and they have you stand up and you know salute or you know moment of silence
0: you typically think of them as not going to be like this
1: so then in 1973 He earned an associate's degree in electrical engineering technology from Butler County Community College and then attended Wichita Wichita State University earning a Bachelor of science with a major in and note this, Administration of Justice in 1979.
0: He was just kind of learning how to avoid the system.
1: Kind of, kind of. Um, And also, I mean, he... Because, you know, sometimes people think about criminals as stupid or ignorant or anything like that. But, I mean, he had multiple degrees. Um, I know a lot of serial killers um, and psychopaths. comes out that they're very intelligent. Um, So, yeah, he had that. And then from 1974 to 1988, he worked for ADT Security Services Installing Security Alarms
0: yeah mhm now
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you you mentioned you you mentioned about some some serial killers like are thought of as dumb and stuff like that no spoilers but for those that don't know the story but the way he got caught kinda was a little dumb
1: oh my god he's he's a moron yeah
0: we're despite all the uh the the knowledge and the degrees and stuff i mean he kinda Kind of slipped up on that one. Thankfully, though,
1: one of the things with a psychopath is that they have this superiority. They think they can't get caught. They think no one is as smart as them. No one is as good as them. No one like they they don't think that these things could get them caught. And luckily, they're often wrong, but. And I I think I mentioned it later as well. Uh, Raider is truly a psychopath. Not, you know, sometimes that word gets thrown around, but he psychologically has been determined to be a psychopath.
0: Like by medical definition, a psychopath.
1: Correct. So, working, installing security alarms gave him very easy access to find and stalk his victims, as well as the knowledge to do some of the things he did with like the break-ins and that stuff now for everybody's worst nightmares oh no in and i will i I guess i will say for those who are going to to listen to the story the first murders i want to say are the worst um none of them are good All of these victims deserve the respect and honor that they get. But the first is the one that really, truly rips your heart out of your chest. So in early 1974, the Otero family hadn't lived in Wichita for very long. They moved to the city and they were getting settled in. Joseph and Julia Otero, some places it said she went by Julie, but her legal name was Julia, were a very happy and loving couple with five children. Joseph was outgoing and happy. They said he, you know, was just like one of those one of those great people to just be around. Big personality. And Julia was just a very caring and loving mother.
0: We can end their story right there, right? Because it has a happy ending. That's just where that ends, right?
1: I wish. So on the morning of January 15th, 1974, Charlie Otero and the two older children, uh they were all in high school, and I don't know how it was for you guys, but I know for me the high school went to school earlier than the little kids. I don't know if that's like a a common thing or what, but they left for school at their normal time and left their parents and their two younger siblings, Joey and Josie, at home.
0: It's been so long ago with the school stuff that I don't even remember how that works.
1: I just remember being miserable because I was I'm not a morning person.
0: That's fair. And I'm over here like, what are cold mornings at a bus stop cuz I did my school at home.
1: Oh man. I so I live up north and I didn't and So I grew up out in the country, which means they would take multiple houses and you would have one bus stop. So I would have to walk down the street to the bus stop, even in the middle of winter when it was like freezing. That was fun.
0: Yeah, that's the funny thing is is like neighborhoods like around at least around closer to where I am I you only really see like school bus stops. They just kind of stop in front of like a few of the houses and the kids are just like, We go into the middle of this street in this neighborhood and we all meet at this place for some reason. There's no stop sign, but it's just
1: Oh yeah, that's how this ours is just was where they stop. <laughs> yeah, that's how ours was. Um I would have to walk over to the neighbor's driveway. Fair enough. <laughs> and we just stood in their driveway.
0: It's our it driveway was, now. It was...
1: <laughs> it's our driveway. So When they came home from school that day, their dog Lucky was outside alone. And this was very unusual for the family. Uh, They always had someone go out with the dog, you know, take care of him and all that stuff.
0: I don't like where this is going.
1: Upon entering the house, Charlie noticed that the kitchen was in disarray. Uh, The contents of his mother's purse were were scattered all over the place and this was another odd thing. His mom always kept the house clean and tidy and you know this was this was weird. And that is when the teenagers discovered the bodies of their parents dead in the bedroom.
0: Yeah, let's let's be glad they just turned around and left.
1: Yeah, they they left, called the police from a neighbor's house and I watched an interview with Charlie, and he said that, to this day, he is still grateful that that is the only thing that he found. Because if he had found the rest, it, as he said, would have been too much for him to bear. Once police got to the house, they found the bodies of 9-year-old Joey and 11-year-old Josie.
0: I'm sure even finding the parents were still, that was still really hard.
1: Yes, he actually in the interview he was very open about it. He struggled with um, addiction and alcoholism for a long time. Uh, he he said, you know, he said how hard his life was, not just losing his family, but also finding his parents. Um, so, <clears throat> luckily, he didn't. Because he was, I think he was 15 at the time. And that's something that you, you... It's hard to process as a human being in general. But as a 15-year-old kid, and he was the oldest, so the other two were in their, you know, tweens, early teens. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> it, was, it was rough. After this, an anonymous tip came in that there was a letter hidden within an engineering book at the Wichita Public Library. And this letter was retrieved. It was a two-page letter outlining the murders and everything that happened in great detail, including the types of knots that were used to bind the victims and what trophies were taken from the home. And the author gave himself the moniker. So you know how usually you get a nickname from someone? No, he gave himself his own nickname, which makes me just dislike this guy even more.
0: Yeah, that's that's like, look at how important I am. I have a nickname.
1: Yeah. Well, he called himself BTK, which stood for Bind, Torture, Kill.
0: Not, not creepy at all.
1: You know, you give yourself a nickname, it should be like, hey, I'm the cool guy, not bind torture
0: kill and it's even it's not funny but it kind of is when you think about it in the sense that he's often called the btk killer Mm -hmm. if you just say all that out loud it's the bind torture kill killer that it just it doesn't sound right
1: yeah he was yeah he was called the btk killer the btk strangler the btk like the btk btk something something and it's like when he gave himself a nickname, it was literally just BTK.
0: He just was, like, throwing words out there and combining words that he liked.
1: Pretty much.
0: So does that mean I'm, like, the Peppa Pig frog swamp creature man?
1: Raccoon Kraken. Yeah. Uh, That made my brain hurt. Same. Um, I, I will also say that, um, so I accessed... Some information about the letters, as well as his full um, confession at trial, which is available in various places online. Um, so, the we are going to go into detail of all of the crimes, and um, it's I, like I said, it's messed up. So, Raider targeted the family after he saw the mother Julia leave to take the, the kids to school one day. And he zoned in on her and started obsessing and then proceeded to stalk the family. On the morning of the 15th, the first thing he did was cut the phone lines and then waited for an opportunity to enter the home. Uh, Nine-year-old Joey opened the back door to let their dog out, and that's when Raider forced his way in. He says that he went in with a plan, but lost control of himself that day. He had a pistol, which he used to intimidate the family, and he used the ruse that he was a wanted man who was just there to steal their car and everything would be fine.
0: X to doubt.
1: Yeah. This is... he, He uses that ruse again, too, later, which is just angry. But
0: it seems like he it's it's almost like he's playing a game where it's like I've seen all these famous killers. I want to do that too. So he's just kind of doing whatever comes to mind in the moment.
1: Uh well, this is Somewhat. like a, yeah, this is his first known kill. He and as we go through I I believe it was the first, because he didn't really know what he was doing. He had this, like, romanticized idea of what it would be, and then when he got here, he was like, oh shit.
0: This is not at all like the simulations.
1: Well, yeah, like, people, if you threaten them, aren't just gonna lay down and be like, okay, kill me now, like...
0: Yeah, everyone reacts differently to different things. There's not really a way to plan for that. You know,
1: human nature is fight or flight. So you're going to try to get away. You're going to try to fight back. You're going to try to, you know, save yourself. And, um, you know, not everybody's going to believe what you say and stuff like that. So he went in thinking it was going to go one way and then it just um, went this way. Um, So he started by leading them into the living room, but realized that that wouldn't be I guess, logistically, the best thing. So he moved the family to the bedroom and tied them up. He had um, Julia and Josie on the bed, and then Joey and Joseph on the floor next to it. At this point, he placed a bag over the head of the father, Joseph, and tied it around his neck to strangle him. But since he never actually strangled someone before, he didn't know how much pressure was needed, and after Joseph passed out, Raider thought he was dead. I guess he doesn't know how to check for pulse or breathing, but...
0: For someone who, like, thought about it enough to stalk them, he really didn't know what he was doing. He didn't.
1: He didn't. Because he then moved on to the mom, Julia, and again, strangled her until she lost consci- consciousness, but she wasn't dead. And then again with Josie. So all of them went unconscious, but they were still alive. And while he was on the bed with Julia and Josie, Joey, like, wiggled over and helped to bite a hole in the bag over his father's head, which let air in. And since he was still alive, he kept breathing and everything.
0: that was good. Despite knowing how this ends.
1: At this point, Raider placed a shirt over Joey's head and then a plastic bag and he then strangled and killed the boy. During this, Julia woke up and saw this. So she was crying hysterically that he killed her son. And that's when Raider murdered her and her husband by strangulation. And this time he succeeded. And I wish I could say that was the worst part of the story.
0: It's what I wanted to hear. It gets worse.
1: Yeah. And... I don't know why I do some of these things to myself, but one of the stories had crime scene photos. And, um... I wish I had never seen some of these things. But at that point, Raider took Josie to the basement where he used a rope as a noose and hung her from a heavy pipe. Um, You know, like water or something like that. He removed most of her clothing and masturbated while looking at her. Uh, police were able to find semen in the basement. They gathered samples, but this was 1974. Um, DNA was not used in forensics and justice until the mid-80s. So, luckily, they gathered it, they kept it, and down the line, it was able to be tested, but at this time, they had, you know, they just had a vial of stuff. So, uh, he gathered up evidence cleaned up a little bit and then fled the scene
0: that's one thing that's kind of odd to me is that you gather dna samples but at the time you don't have anything that you can do with that to help your case so in my mind it's like why am i collecting dna samples when we don't have the technology to do anything with it I know it's part of the crime scene, but it's just, it's...
1: They they do have, uh, they did have microscopes and things like that. So if there was something incredibly rare, you know, maybe if it was blood, yeah. they had some sort of disease or, you know, uh,
0: mutation. They could find some things out from yeah, it, but not... But they... Enough to pinpoint who it is. Yeah,
1: they couldn't do DNA fingerprinting, where they can actually slice it out and see your chromosomes and compare it and all that stuff like they do today. But yeah, they were able to do some tests, it's just that they didn't have DNA testing. So, months later, on April 4th, 1974... Raider broke into the apartment of 21-year-old Catherine Bright after stalking her for some time. He kept a record of her schedule and broke in while she was away and waited for her. Um, I think this is the case where he's like, yeah, I just waited in the kitchen. Oh, okay.
0: Just, just hung out in the kitchen, had a sandwich. <clears throat>
1: he did not realize that when she did come home, her brother Kevin was going to be with her. This time, Raider brought two handguns, and again, used the story that he was a fugitive just there to steal the car.
0: First of all, uh, I, I I can't help but get over the fact that this time he brought two handguns, it's almost like he thought Man, last time I had a few hiccups, like things didn't go to plan. What could make this better? I know, two handguns.
1: Spoiler, guns usually make it worse.
0: But like, specifically why, why two? Is he just got one in one hand and one in the other like a, like, a, like a cowboy or something? I
1: don't know. He did mention that one was in a shoulder holster and one was in a belt holster, but I, I don't know if that makes it better or worse.
0: It's a little odd, but okay.
1: Yeah, like, it's just... And, like... He wants to strangle people. Like, that's not good either, but... That requires your hands. Not a gun.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, he's gonna have to put one or both of them down... To do anything, so... Yeah, I'm that's an opportunity for the victims to then possibly try to go for the gun if they want to try that method, but...
1: I, I... If I could explain this to you, it would be a bad thing. Because that means I would be a psychopath.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. So... And I guess it should also be noted that it's it's a good thing that yes. I don't understand it.
1: Yes. Ah... At this point, he proceeded to, uh, tie them up. During the trial, he seemed a little wishy-washy on if he tied them up or he had them tie each other up. Um, which I think sounds a little more logical to me because, like, how are you going to tie someone up and keep the other person under your power? So, I... Yeah. Yeah. But, um, he then, uh put Kevin in one bedroom and tied his feet to the bedpost and then went to another bedroom and tied Catherine to the bed. Once she was quote unquote secure, he returned to strangle her brother and Kevin had managed to escape his restraints and a fight broke out. Uh, and, you know, Kevin was a younger dude. And, you know, he was faster and yada yada.
0: It, it's a little odd that I know how the story ends, unfortunately. But when I hear stuff like that, I'm just like, let's go, Kevin. You got this.
1: Well, you might not know how this, his story ends.
0: Well, one could assume, but.
1: So Raider withdrew one of the guns and shot Kevin in the head. He saw the blood, he saw the limp, unconscious body, and he was like, well, he's dead. And returned to Catherine. Now, while this had all been happening, Catherine also managed to remove her restraints. But Raider overpowered her and restrained her again. I guess tied it tighter this time when he heard movement in the other room. The bullet was non-lethal, and Kevin was back on his feet. I don't know if it just grazed him, or if it just happened to hit him at the right spot, but he was, he was ready to go for round two.
0: Bullets do weird things. I mean, it's likely that it just kind of, like, turned.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, and also, I don't know how proficient Raider was with a gun.
0: There's also that.
1: Yeah, he had them. That doesn't mean... I mean, he, he...
0: Doesn't mean he knows what he's doing.
1: He liked strangling and didn't know how much pressure it took to strangle a person. So, just because he likes guns doesn't know he means how to use one.
0: Again, not making fun of anyone in the story in any way, but how bad is it that you're a killer who likes to strangle people, but yet you don't know how to strangle someone?
1: Oh, it's bad. Like, I just... So much stuff about this guy... Makes me scratch my head and makes me just completely and utterly speechless. Yeah. Which, you know, is rare, by the way.
0: It's it's rare unless it's me talking.
1: Okay, fair. <laughs> so this time in the struggle, Kevin grabbed one of the guns, but he wasn't quick enough and Raider shot him again with the other one. Once again, he returned to Catherine, but she continued to fight back. So these two were fighters. They were... They wanted to live. And... um, Clearly. Yeah. Raider said that he realized he lost control of the situation. So he just grabbed a knife and stabbed her multiple times. Because he didn't think that he would be able to get what he actually wanted Um, he went to start cleaning up the evidence when he heard the front door and saw Kevin running down the street holding the gunshot wound and he knew he wouldn't be able to catch up with him he knew that if he did that he would have gotten arrested so instead he fled and Kevin survived
0: well, that was good. At least something good came out of that.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't know... Because, like, I try not to look into the lives of survivors too much. Like, I want to give them privacy. Right. Um. You know, I don't want to be like, what's your Facebook page?
0: Want to do an interview?
1: Yeah. I don't know what his life has been like since. I mean, obviously he lost his sister. He... Uh, was attacked. He was, you know, he went through trauma. But I don't know if there were any physical uh, or neurological aspects of it. Because I mean, he got shot in the head. Depending on where it hit him, it could have nicked part of his brain. Um, he got shot, I think, in the stomach. You know, that could have affected various parts of his body. But no. um, he did live, which is good.
0: But I can't help but kind of laugh a little bit just imagining Dennis just ping-ponging from room to room when it's just like, you split them up. This is your own fault. There's a noise in the room. Let me go, let me go over here and look. Oh, wait, no, there's something going on in the other room. He's like, going out the front door. I,
1: for somebody who wants to kill so much... He doesn't really know how. Yeah, like, I feel like you should learn how to tell if someone is alive.
0: Yeah, I feel like at least after this second time, you should kind of be able to tell if that's what you're doing, which you shouldn't be doing, but... No,
1: no. But yeah. Anyway. So, now we go to March 17th of 1977. Raider was pursuing a different victim and couldn't find the right house. He knew the neighborhood, couldn't find the house. But he was real eager and ready to go, and he wanted another kill. He saw a young boy on the street, and he used the ruse of being a police detective to talk to him, um, asked him some questions, like he was doing, you know, an investigation or something. And then he stalked the little boy home and waited for an opportunity. Uh, the boy's mother was twenty-five-year-old Shirley Vian. And she was homesick that day. Raider infiltrated the home, and once inside, he locked the boy in the bathroom with some toys and tied Shirley to the bed. At this point, she threw up all over herself. And Raider cleaned her up, got her a glass of water. See, I'm trying. I'm trying real hard to say it right. Um, soothed her before placing the bag over her head and strangling her, which is very odd that he would clean her up and soothe her and calm her down and take care of her to kill her.
0: I guess that comes back to what we've said before is they want to feel in control. Yeah. What better way to feel in control than taking care of someone and then being able to take that away? This
1: is true. So while he was, you know, calming her down and talking to her, she did mention that someone was going to be by to help with her son because she was sick. And at that point, the phone rang and startled him. So he fled the scene. I did see that at one point the plan actually was to also strangle the little boy, but due to the phone ringing that little boy also is still alive
0: Did did they say who was calling?
1: No idea Um, he he assumed that it was whoever was gonna come and help babysit Ah. But it could have been a telemarketer for all he knew
0: Saved by the extended car warranty?
1: Um so Raider's next target was 25-year-old Nancy Joe Fox. He noticed her entering her house and then started to stalk her. He really liked stalking people. I see that. He checked inside of her Yeah. He checked inside of her mailbox to find her name and even found out where she worked. He even went to the place that she worked. To see what it was like.
0: Alright, now I'm gonna put a thought in your head that you didn't need. Because it came into my head, so now I've gotta ruin it for everyone else. Think of how many times someone's looked through your mailbox and you didn't know it. Oh, while I was researching this.
1: I, I am, like, full-blown paranoid now. I'm like... I mean, we... We always... Like, if we're just home... It, like, if we're just home... Or if it's just me home, the door's locked. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm like, oh my god, what if they get in the mail? Oh my god, what if someone's stalking me? Oh my god, what if they're looking in the window at me right now? Yeah. And <laughs> I don't think any of that's happening, but my my, my brain is like. But I mean, what it if? is.
0: It's not a crazy thought to think what if, because like these people probably were the same way. Like, nah, no, that's not going to happen to us. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's not a crazy thought, but
1: hmm, it's scary. It's real scary. So on December 8th, 1977, he knocked on her door during a time that she was usually at work. He kind of had her schedule down. So he was like, she's probably not going to be home. And when he got no answer, he cut the phone line and broke it. When she arrived home, he confronted her took her to the bedroom and then handcuffed her to the bed which was new that he brought handcuffs with this time and then he strangled her with a belt another interesting thing is that he removed the handcuffs and the belt and replaced them with pantyhose i believe they were her pantyhose before masturbating and then leaving I'm not quite sure the significance of replacing them with the pantyhose
0: maybe he just liked the pantyhose better and that was kind of what
1: then why wouldn't he have used those
0: this is the man who, who thinks of things in the moment, it would seem. Who do, who things don't go according to plan for him. So maybe he did that and was True. like, you know, you know what, that's not it. That's not it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I
0: don't know. I don't know. Did, I, I also, I'm curious. Did he ever wear a mask during this? During these he crimes? He did not. So the people that lived, they were they not, not able to identify him? Well,
1: the, you have to think. Back then. They didn't have the internet. They they could do a sketch.
0: I just figured at least you know they would have like a description to go on by this point because here you've got they Kevin. Do. Yeah, like you've got yeah. several people who can kind of.
1: But Raider was just a normal looking dude.
0: Fair. Yeah, there wasn't anything that stood out about him. Yeah. He
1: was he was just normal. He wasn't striking. He wasn't you know super handsome he wasn't like this gnarly monster looking dude he just looked like a soccer dad
0: yeah now that i think about it yeah if they just went off the description they would have been arresting every dad outside barbecuing or mowing the lawn
1: yeah and like he had a mustache in the 70s i
0: think everyone had a mustache then (laughs)
1: Exactly. It's like, all right, let's round up all the dudes with mustaches. Mustaches are now illegal. Uh, so yeah, and like you know, potentially they could have maybe somehow gotten a lineup together, and then you no, know, Kevin probably would have recognized him. But getting that at the time with the you know they they would hang it up at the post office. Well, how many people are looking at that poster? Whereas nowadays. Um, you know, right now is the manhunt that's happening in southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, you know, his, that dude's picture is everywhere. Like, it's global. Yeah. Whereas back in the 70s, it's like, you know, they did what they could.
0: In the 70s, they were just putting up wanted posters on billboards and lampposts, but...
1: And, you know, you start, unfortunately, the way the human mind is, you know, you start seeing stuff all the time it just becomes white noise, so you know, oh, another wanted poster.
0: Yeah, as, as much as I hate to say it, like, I don't really pay attention to, like, the signs and stuff that you see posted up about, like, missing pets and stuff, because it's like they're, they're everywhere, and it's, there's not really much you can do.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, unfortunately, even though there were witnesses, the, the police had nothing. Had absolutely nothing, and because of so, a lot of times with crimes, um, you know, you look at people they knew, well, they didn't know him, yeah, so he wasn't on a list, it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, yeah, uh, so he was, he was kind of a ghost.
0: Well, I mean, well, yes. In the case of like some of these people, it's not he didn't find all of his victims through his security installation service. But if he did, that probably would have helped him narrow it down a little bit because it's like, okay, well, maybe he did know these people, but not he's not like a family friend. It's the, they would start looking at like repairmen and stuff, maybe.
1: Well, the problem was that he would install security alarms in their neighborhood not necessarily in their home so he would be you know working on a house see a woman walk by find out where she lived and now there is absolutely no connection fair enough which is even scarier yeah on april 27th 1985 um, I will note there's a little bit of a gap here from 77 to 85.
0: Really quick, before you get into that, I just want to say you were mentioning about the uh, the guy they're looking for in uh, Philadelphia.
1: Westchester. Yeah, it's near Philly.
0: Well, the guy, that guy they're looking for, you were mentioning his photo is everywhere. And I've seen it several times. But now that I think about it, like I probably wouldn't recognize him if I just passed him on the street. Yep. That's another scary thing. Yep. Is even though I've seen the photo numerous times, I still don't think I could identify him just passing him on the street.
1: Yeah. And like now they're like, you know, he was seen wearing a green hoodie. Well, if I saw a green hoodie, I wouldn't be like, hey, are you that guy?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to be like, hold up. Let me pull my phone out and let me compare you to this photo. <laughs> That's what I would have to do to be able to recognize someone from a photo.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this whole thing because I'm not in that area. I'm maybe an hour away. But I know people who live in Westchester, Phoenixville, King of Prussia, which is that general, like, radius that he's been seen in. And you, when somebody is yeah on the run like that, Lord knows what they're going to do when they're desperate.
0: Or where they're going to go.
1: Well, yeah, and I don't know if you've seen the latest, he is now armed.
0: Oh, no, I did not see that.
1: Yeah, he stole a rifle.
0: That's not good.
1: You go check your mail, all of a sudden you have a gun in your face.
0: This is why we don't go outside. It's safe in here.
1: Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I like my home and my things,
0: says Mo from behind the steel vault door.
1: <sighs> Ugh. Yeah, thinking about that guy is creepy. Anyway, um, so the evening of April 27th, 1985, Raider picked up what he called his quote unquote kit which is the things to bind, torture, and kill people, into a bowling bag and headed to the local bowling alley. Left his car parked there. He pretended to be drunk and even went to the point of swishing beer around in his mouth so you could smell the alcohol on him. And then called a taxi and got a ride back to his own neighborhood.
0: The funny thing about that is um, I've been told by a certain dragon that uh, despite never having been drunk in my entire life, I am actually okay at slurring my words and sounding like I'm drunk.
1: I worry about you. You know that, right?
0: Yeah, most people do. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway. (laughs) I'm just processing that one. So a few blocks away from where Raider lived lived a 53 year old woman named marine hedge who he would often walk by the house and see her working out in her lawn or you know just going in and out of the house and things like that uh even to the point that you know friendly wave and you know no one no one was the wiser she wasn't supposed to be home this night because again he liked to stalk people but her car was in the driveway Mm -hmm. So, he snuck into the house, but no one was home. You know, the car was there, but she wasn't. And he went into one of the spare bedrooms and waited. In the dark. When she returned home, there was an unknown male visitor with her. Uh, You know, he was hiding, so he has no idea who this guy was. But he remained hidden. Um, The two of them, I guess, kind of hung out and socialized for like an hour or two. I don't know if it was a date or family or a friend or
0: that's there. Here's another horrifying idea. What if there's someone who just likes to break into people's houses and hide and watch people for like a few hours and just leave without doing anything or moving anything? He just likes to like watch people. Because, like, he was just in their house watching them, and they're just doing their thing, and I had no clue he was just in there.
1: I didn't need to sleep tonight.
0: Like, that's still wrong and illegal, but at least it's not hurting anyone. It's just really creepy. (sighs) Do I need to go get the, the YouTube videos of people leaving cameras in their house and seeing people come out of the walls? Or, like, underneath the bed or the couch or something?
1: You're making it worse, Cracko.
0: Is that a good thing, or...? No. Ah, I see.
1: Anytime someone tells you you're making something worse, it is not a good thing.
0: Boy, I have been misinterpreting a lot of things.
1: Raider actually waited in that spare bedroom into the night. And then, middle of the night, super early morning, is when he came out of the room... Flipped on the lights really quickly to, I guess, startle her. Jumped on top of Marine, and then this time he strangled her with his bare hands. He did not use a belt or a rope or any kind of ligature, just his bare hands. Unfortunately, this was just the beginning of his plan. He wrapped her body in a blanket. And put her into her car. And used her car to transport the body to Christ Lutheran Church. Where he was president of the church council. Um, I had mentioned it a little bit. And we'll talk about it more in depth later. But he was a normal looking dude. He compartmentalized as a psychopath. And seemed like a normal dude. Like I said, president of the church council. Uh, He was a Boy Scout leader.
0: Boy Scout leader, president of the church council, veteran, all someone you wouldn't think to be doing this kind of thing.
1: Which I believe is why he went undetected for so long. Because like, when you are looking for a monster, you're not looking for the church going dad. The church going president... Of the council, Boy Scout leader, veteran, quote unquote nice guy.
0: Because like his photo, like I've I've seen his photo and stuff. So like he is actually just the definition of a dad. He looks like the kind of guy who would who would ask if you and your friends want to get pizza after soccer practice.
1: Yeah, like uh, just the slightest bit schlubby, like not in a bad way, but you know what I mean. Like and
0: he's. I picture like a midwestern accent and everything. Just hey, you guys want to go down and get some pizza?
1: Yeah, and he got like the the calf high tube socks with the New Balance sneakers and some like shorts
0: and the khaki cargo shorts,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that, and a polo. Yep, tucked in to go mow the grass
0: with a fanny pack.
1: <laughs> yeah, so this
0: Raider the kind of man to wear socks and sandals.
1: Yes, exactly. So like. That's not who you would expect. That's not who you would zone in on at all.
0: But before we go too far, I do want to say at least you don't have to worry about me or you ever doing anything like this because we like I don't think either of us would be able to hide in someone's closet for this long without getting bored and just coming out and being like, "Well, you two just leave already."
1: <laughs> or being quiet that long. Or like,
0: I mean, yeah, I was gonna say, or like having to sneeze. <laughs> Did your closet just sneeze? Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Do I hear Candy Crush music coming <laughs> from your closet?
1: No, uh, I don't play Candy Crush. I play Merge Dragons. Thank you.
0: <laughs> My God, just—I don't know. It can both be horrifying and funny at the same time. You're just sitting in your living room when, from your closet, you hear Peppa Pig talking in your closet. <laughs> followed by the sound of someone hitting the bottom of a juice box. Oh, don't make me laugh. You hear Peppa Pig? Can you count to three? Followed by I can only count to four. <laughs> I have noise suppression on, so I imitated the slurping sound, but of course it didn't pick it up. Thankfully, because I don't think we need that now uh, that I think yeah. about it. But uh, I
1: don't think we need that. I don't think we need Discord that
0: saved us on that one. But mm.
1: yes, thank you, thank you, Discord. Um, he took her to the church, and he tied her body into various bonded positions and took Polaroids before... And I will note, he had this planned. He had plastic sheets ready, and he wrapped the body with them. Then, once again, using her car took her and dumped the body into a ravine off of a fairly main road in Wichita.
0: So, what may I may have missed something here? What what was the point of taking her to the church?
1: He tied her into a bunch of bondage positions and took pictures.
0: So he just wanted basically the church as like the location for the photos.
1: I guess he wanted privacy and he knew no one would be there or maybe it was because of it was a church. It was his church. It was a place that no one would think of something like this happening. I, I don't know. I can only guess.
0: Yeah. You probably don't want to know, knowing this man.
1: Nope, 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 nope. Good, 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 good. All right. So, September 16th, 1986, uh, Raider posed as a telephone repairman to gain entry into the home of 28 year old Vicky L- L- girl I know I'm going to butcher this name I have been struggling with it I think it's L- girl or wogirl L- um but again he used a ruse and he even took tools and testing equipment and had like the hard hat and all this stuff to look the part
0: As they say, confidence and a reflector vest will get you a long way.
1: So he got into the house, he pretended to test the phone, because that's the reason he was there. His phone wasn't working. And then he pulled a gun on her and forced her into the bedroom. He tied her to the bed and used one of her stockings to strangle her. He posed the body in a bunch of different bondage positions and photographed her. Before leaving, but he didn't realize she wasn't dead. A running theme. Unfortunately, she did die after emergency services arrived. So, you know, they were trying to, um, you know, keep her alive, and sadly, she was too far gone. Raiders' final official murder occurred January 19th, 1991. He cased the home of 62-year-old Dolores Davis. He prepared his kit and waited, but in all of his stalking, he still hadn't figured out how he was going to get into the house.
0: So, that that's one other thing that I wanted to mention, too, I'm, I'm noticing is they also, what made it harder for them to find him is it doesn't seem like he has a, a type that he goes for, because the previous one before this one was a 28-year-old. Then we had like a 52-year-old. There's not a specific age range or a look. It's, he's just targeting whoever
1: Whoever catches his, his fancy. Yeah. And I mean, the very first... So there's
0: not really a way to determine what that is.
1: Yeah, and it's very odd because the first one, it was all, almost a complete family annihilator murder. Where he killed the children and the parents and... Um, with the with Shirley, he would have killed her son as well, which is interesting because usually, like you said, there's a type. As you know, they go for young brunettes or they go for, um, you know,
0: because this it seems like he's he's like targeting the wife, but then he's like, oh well, these people were home, so can't leave witnesses.
1: Yeah, I I don't know and it's again i don't think i want to know i I don't
0: yeah no but it's it's one of those things it's just it's kind of odd that he's not he's kind of almost doing it at random but he's not he's seems like he's only targeting women but not a specific type
1: yeah it's whoever caught his eye you know whoever he found attractive whoever reminded him of his mom probably whoever he wanted to make feel trapped and vulnerable
0: yeah yeah because, like, with the brother and then the family in the beginning, it's just, they just were happened to be there. They weren't the reason he was there. The reason he was there was Mom. the wife. Yeah. He saw the wife.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, I do not know. Um, so, this time, again, he cased the house. He still didn't know how he was going to get in. And Dolores was home. So, not knowing how to get into the house... And he, you know, I guess he didn't want to try to pick a lock. He threw a concrete block through a plate glass window.
0: Despite, like, besides the murders and being a horrible person, this man's just a Scooby-Doo villain.
1: He kind of is.
0: I don't know how to silently get in this house. Oh, look, a cinder block.
1: He kind of is. How? I I don't, I don't.
0: I, I never want to compare myself to a person like this, but, like, the manner in which he's failing is just, like, crackle mood. Like, <laughs> yeah. gee, I locked myself out of my house. Don't know how I can get in. Oh, wait, I've got a brick.
1: Okay, don't laugh, but I did do that one time. Fair. I, I, I was when I still lived at home.
0: You've also attempted say... to open a beer with a drill, so, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly not surprised, but...
1: <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for it too because my parents had to replace the entire back door but um, yeah I locked myself out of the house I didn't know what to do I didn't have a cell phone because I was How was, like, old were in you? Middle, middle school or high school and I, I, I was scared and I panicked so I grabbed a big rock and broke into the back door
0: well, I need to know why you panicked
1: Because I was locked out of the house Fair enough Like, I I, I was in the house, I went outside, the door locked behind me. So I was, like, outside, no shoes, nothing. Like, I was just outside.
0: It's not funny, but I'm just imagining you go outside, you hear the door click behind you, And then all of a sudden, all of the National Geographic and Man vs. Wild episodes just play through your head and it's just like, oh no, the elements. I am exposed. I have no shoes. I'm locked outside. I don't, my parents aren't here. What do I do? Brick.
1: In small town, rural Pennsylvania.
0: Improvise, adapt, overcome.
1: Yes. (laughs) And I think, I think it was like spring or fall. Like it was, it was temperate.
0: Fair enough. It's brisk out, and I don't have my raincoat brick. I'm going to start throwing that in D&D from now on. I hope you know that. <laughs> it's just when something goes wrong, it's just rock.
1: All right. So back to the story, because we still have quite a bit to go. Um, so he threw the, the brick through the window, overpowered her, handcuffed her to the bed, and strangled her with a pair of her own pantyhose. Similarly to Marine, he wrapped up her body and dumped it in a ravine, but this time he didn't do photographs. He just dumped her in a similar manner. I don't know. I don't understand. Because like you were saying, there was, there was no pattern. I don't know if he was purposely trying to throw police off or if there was something because the two older women are the ones that he dumped in the ravine whereas the younger ones he left tied to their beds and I'm
0: honestly I I'm, I'm am I'm chalking it up to just him being not very smart well
1: one of the things I thought of and I didn't dig too deep into this I just like it had a surface thought and I was like the story's already too long but I wonder because he had such ill will towards his mother I wonder if the two older victims reminded him of his mom and that's why he dumped them in a ravine Whereas the younger ones were more of that sexual sadism that he um, didn't just want to torture and strangle and get rid of. But he wanted to torture and strangle and enjoy. Which I hate that I just said that. But he enjoyed. It's not an enjoyable thing.
0: Yeah, because the ones that he dumped in the ravine, that was just it. He just killed them and dumped them. He didn't stay and Mm -hmm. enjoy it. Correct.
1: Yeah.
0: You didn't have a good point.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. But throughout all of this, he did not stay quiet about his crimes. As I mentioned previously, They never do. Yeah. Well, with the Oteros, he wrote the anonymous letter that was placed in the book in the Wichita Public Library. So that was in 1974. In 1978 he sent a poem to a newspaper, the Wichita Eagle. This poem was a parody of a nursery rhyme, but it was all about the murder of Shirley Vian. Horrifying. On February 9th, 1978, he sent a letter to KAKETV claiming responsibility for seven murders and threatened to kill again. In the four-page document that he sent them, there was a poem included called Oh, Death to Nancy, with not only details of Nancy Joe Fox's murder, but also drawings of how the body was arranged. So, in April of 1979, Raider raided in the home of Anna Williams, but lost patience and left when she didn't arrive home at the time that he wanted her there. And several weeks later, he sent her a poem in the mail called, Oh Anna, Why Didn't You Appear?
0: Imagine just not being home for a while, and you get a poem like that.
1: Yep. That's
0: terrifying. I'm moving to another country. I'm changing my name, and I'm putting on a wig.
1: I'm going off the grid. I'm just gonna.
0: I'm going to disappear. I'm going to just be like Homer fading into the shrubs.
1: <laughs> so this is, earlier you had talked about the stupidity of this guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The cases went cold for 25 years. Police had nothing. And then March 19th, 2004 he wrote to the Wichita Eagle again. And sent a copy of Vicky Girl's driver's license and crime scene photos that only the killer could have taken. So I had said that she was in the care of emergency services because she was still alive. So there were no crime scene photos, including her body. All of the official crime scene photos were taken after she was removed from the room. And these bodies had her there. Or not... These photos had her there.
0: So that that's another thing too. I'm I'm correct me if I'm wrong, which I may be. From like these these older serial killer stories, like this one and the Zodiac and stuff like that. It's when they sent in stuff to newspapers and things, it's like you don't really hear about that much anymore, like thankfully. Yeah. Well, like, when something like that happens, they don't just keep sending things in. It was like journalism back then was just the Wild West.
1: That is partially it. Also, um, a lot of serial killers learn from the past, and they've seen how different people were caught. I hate, I, Again, I hate these, these facts. And then also, not all serial killers want to do that you know not everybody wants to be contacting yeah um i mean there is a common thread of them trying to be involved in the investigation somehow whether it be pretending to be a reporter or just at the scene um when you know police are investigating and things like that but um you know with and also even when you look so jack the ripper obviously wrote letters zodiac wrote letters and raider wrote letters but it's a smaller percentage of serial killers that do that um at least in from, from my knowledge i don't know exact numbers but yeah it's just those are the ones that really stick out because like oh lordy um
0: but yeah, that like I would not have wanna been a want to have been a journalist back then because like it's just like, well, I'm gonna go into work today, I'm gonna write about local news and maybe get sent some horrifying photos.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like nowadays things are screened and yada yada.
0: Back then it was just, hey, you got this really thick looking suspicious brown box. I put it on your desk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of oozing.
0: There's a weird smell coming from it and it sounds like it's ticking. Must be that clock you ordered for your desk,
1: yeah, that's it. Oh, that was one thing, um kind of tying back to the whole contact with the media and stuff like that. Um, I did also see um, from one of the the guys, uh, Hazelwood at I think it's Hazelwood, um from the FBI's Bureau of Beha- or behavioral analysis unit, not Bureau, Behavioral analysis unit. How he mentions that some serial killers contact the media because they want to get caught. they want to, they know they can't stop and they're kind of scared of it so they deep down want to get caught. Uh, which kind of seems might be a little bit of the case with Raider um, because again, he went he went quiet for 25 years. cases were completely cold and then he's like, hey. Uh, so it makes me just kind of wonder, because he sends so much to the media, to police, uh, and everything, that I wonder if, like, subconsciously, deep down, anything like that, he wanted to get caught. He wanted somebody to stop him and punish him for what he did.
0: Maybe, yeah.
1: I don't, yeah, I don't know, but it's possible.
0: So... This is this is again one of those one of those things. It's like, it's we deal with things in humor. The story of Dennis Rader is like the true crime version of Breaking Bad. I mean, Breaking Bad is still true crime, but like, Dad turns to a life of crime. Mm-hmm. He he's watched one too many true crime shows and thought, hey, this looks like a good idea.
1: Well, back then, true crime shows weren't as big as they are today.
0: Well, he found them, and he got
1: ideas. (laughs) So, on May 5th, 2004, Cake TV received another letter containing a list of the chapters from the BTK story on the Crime Library's website. This was one of the first articles on the internet about BTK. However... Raider made some changes to suit himself and renamed certain chapters. I guess he didn't like what they called them.
0: Even more horrifying short story, uh, you monitor a Wikipedia page for a serial killer and you're recently seeing updates being made to it by some anonymous user with new information that wasn't there before that you didn't know.
1: That the police didn't know. Uh exactly. l- 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 It's like,
0: wait a minute, I'm going to leave that one alone.
1: Yep, please do. (laughs) On June 17th, 2004, another letter was found in a mechanical engineering book that was left in the drop box of the Wichita Public Library. And this letter, once again, focused on the 1974 Otero murders. So that is the other letter that was in a library book at the Wichita Public Library is the one about the Oteros. So I guess mechanical engineering books go with family annihilation. I don't know.
0: That was going to be another question that I had. Why engineering books?
1: Well, he had a degree in electronics engineering technology. That was his associate's degree that he earned.
0: Maybe this was just one of his hints.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did, if you look back in retrospect over the letters, over different things, he did give away quite a bit about himself. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but he did give away quite a bit about himself. Some of the letters talked about a professor at um, one of the universities he's at, he attended. Um, it didn't say what connection they had, but the letter mentioned this person by name. Um, there was another one, about Uh, where it mentioned multiple authors that both also attended that same university. So as he went through these letters, he started giving clues, but police couldn't put it together because everything was so vast and there was so much going on. And um, luckily for them, he just kept contacting them.
0: I wonder if that upset him even more, Because this sounds like he wants to be famous. He wants people to know him for doing these horrible things. Mm -hmm. And he's throwing out all of these clues as to who he is. And the police are like, man, this guy is so generic. I have no idea who this is.
1: Random dad. On the 30th anniversary of Raider's first letter to um, authorities a suspicious letter was found in a UPS dropbox. However, the actual contents of this letter have not been released. Uh, There was, on November 30th of 2004, a press conference, and it revealed personal details that BTK revealed in letters, and I believe that letter was one of them, but I don't know the actual content of that letter. And then, in December of 2004... A plastic bag wrapped in rubber bands was found in a local park. Inside this bag was Nancy Fox's driver's license. And then another letter, like the May 5th one, with the chapters from the uh, crime library. But this time, the chapters were changed again and in a different order.
0: All right. I know I have a question for each of these things here, but do you think that maybe back then they just saw this bag on the ground wrapped in rubber bands and were just like, I'm going to pick that up and see what this is? Or do you think they immediately called the police and had them deal with it?
1: Oh, no, that's what happened. Some guy picked it up, took it home, opened it up and was like, what the fuck? And called the police.
0: Imagine being the guy who brought that home.
1: No, thank you. I'm good.
0: I'm just going to go wash my hands with the bleach and call the police.
1: <laughs> On January 25th, 2005, a suspicious package was found. Inside the package was a cereal box of post-brand Toasties. I don't know if it's still made. I, it doesn't sound familiar to me. Uh, toasties. But... Inside the cereal box were pieces of jewelry from victims.
0: Man, these prizes are getting weirder and weirder.
1: Mhm. And then around this time Raider also sent multiple postcards to Cake TV. In one of his letters to police, Raider asked if information placed on a floppy disk could be traced. He instructed them on how to reply. And they obliged, they took out a newspaper ad in the Wichita Eagle, and it said, Rex, it will be okay.
0: I feel like if you have to ask that question, the answer is probably yes.
1: Well, and, like, if you don't know, like, they have not caught him on handwritten letters. I'm glad that he was this dumb. Yeah, but... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know.
0: Dad's out here committing crimes and now he wants to know from the police how computers work.
1: (laughs) Take a class. So, on February 16th, 2005, a disc was sent to Fox News' KSAS-TV affiliate along with a necklace from one of the victims. On the disc was another letter from BTK so police took the disk and they started analyzing and there were deleted files on this and within the metadata of these deleted files they got two key pieces of information Christ Lutheran Church and the name Dennis So first of all, one thing that people don't always tend to realize—I mean, it's a little more common knowledge nowadays—but just because you delete a file doesn't mean it's gone. Yeah. Even if you empty your recycling bin, it's not gone.
0: Uh, (laughs) Metadata and
1: fragments. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the world we live in now with the cloud, but even back then, just because you deleted it doesn't mean it's gone.
0: That's that would be like. The the non-tech equivalent of him with the floppy disk would be him taking the letter, going to the public library, being like, excuse me, can you fax this to the local police department?
1: Ah, fax machines. So, police go to the church, and Pastor Michael Clark was in utter disbelief. As I said, Dennis was a nice, normal member of the congregation... So, the pastor cooperated with police, which is a good thing, and um, he also told them that in January, the month before, Dennis used the church computer to print off copies of the agenda for the church council meeting, and he used a disk, which was very similar to the one that they got, so it was probably the same one, to print the file. And that's probably how the metadata got on the the disk.
0: Most likely, yes. Yes.
1: So now they had a name, they had DNA evidence collected from various crime scenes, and they were able to arrest him. During the 32 hour interrogation, Raider started, uh, you know, saying he wasn't guilty, he was very distant, he would refer to BTK in the third person, and he only talked in hypotheticals. But as it went on, he realized all of the evidence they had, and he he figured out he was screwed. So he started to talk, and then once he started, they couldn't get him to stop. <laughs> Again, psychopaths love to talk to themselves, uh, talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. So he started out very angry. Once he admitted what he did, he repeatedly asked the police lieutenant Ken Landwehr. How come you lied to me? And Lanward told him, because I was trying to catch you. Like, I read this in an article and I just heard that, like, the, the attitude. It's like, because I was trying to catch you, you schmuck. Yeah,
0: I-, <laughs> I can hear the smirk on his face.
1: Yes. So, like I said, as a true psychopath, he wanted to talk about himself he wanted to talk about his crimes and he went into great detail. So there was stuff that was not public knowledge. There was stuff that police did not release. There were things that they didn't notice and then afterwards they're like, oh snap. Alright, you did
0: it. That, that's another thing that creeps me out a bit is like how like happy they are to, to talk about the horrible things they did mm-hmm. like... well. It's the equivalent to us working on, like, example, like a D&D campaign. Like, we finally get a story or a backstory worked out, and it's like, we want to share this. Like, hey, look at this. I want to talk about this in detail, because I did a thing.
1: Yeah. Oh my god, when I wrote my first character backstory for D&D, I sent it to so many people.
0: That's understandable. Yeah.
1: They're probably like, okay, thanks. But yeah, that that's very much how it was. And psychopaths don't feel emotion the way a normal person does, so... To him, he just he just kept talking and talking and he actually believed the cops were his friends and that they respected him and were like, oh, my God, he's such a great killer. So they he's
0: so good. We didn't we couldn't even catch him.
1: I know, right? So they fed into his ego. They were like, all right, this dude is talking. We are getting all this. We are going to just let him believe we we just love him.
0: Okay, I got a question for you. If you were an interrogator, could you feed into that or, or like, would you be able to feed into that and just be like, whoa, really? Well, how did you manage to keep him quiet? How did you do this? How did you do that? Would you be able to like feed into it like he's actually a great person just so he'll keep talking?
1: Actually, I think I could. If it meant catching a bad guy, I could. Fair enough. I mean, I talk to you once a week.
0: I don't know how to respond to that. Okay. <laughs> Love you. Fair enough.
1: So, at one point during this interrogation, like I said, it was 32 hours long. He even asked one of the officers to label the lid of his drink as BTK instead of Dennis or Raider or anything like that. Because, yeah, they were buddies. Mm hmm. Among the details that he told them included the trophies that he kept from the crimes. Uh, He told them he would go through the female victim's belongings and find underwear to take from each woman that he killed. He would then later wear them himself and recreate the bindings that he used on the body and photograph himself to relive the crimes, to get pleasure from what he did.
0: So is are those photos you speak of, these two photos that are under the photo of this letter?
1: Yes. And the one below that is the female mask that he wore when he bound himself and relived these crimes.
0: The weird thing is, is uh, that this is going to come as no shock that um, something weird is coming out of Krakow's mouth, but... Um, I did the whole mask making and collecting hobby at one point for a bit. And, you know, there are some people who want to collect things related to serial killers because it's from serial killers. But that mask is actually one thing that like a lot Mm -hmm. of people want to have just because it's it's a creepy looking thing, not because it's related to the killer or anything, but just because it's a creepy mask. Mm -hmm. But no one can find Mm -hmm. what company made this mask, what where it came from. It's just this weird thing that he had from that has no origin.
1: No idea, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, something that is... I mean, there's a lot of things we talked about in this case that are different than the stuff we normally talk about, but something that most of the cases we cover, they go to trial. Raider did not. He originally pled not guilty, but As the trial loomed, as the evidence piled up, he changed his plea to guilty and made a full confession on the stand. The ten counts of first-degree murder were sentenced as ten consecutive life sentences, and he will be eligible for parole after serving 175 years in prison.
0: So basically, he's not going to go on parole.
1: Well, in 175 years...
0: I think if he's, if he's still around after, after that long I, I think we have other things to be concerned about.
1: <laughs> yeah. There are three victims that are often overlooked in this case. In 1971 Raider married Paula Dietz and the couple had two children Carrie and Brian. I mentioned him compartmentalizing before but his family legitimately had no idea. At one time when the, liter- the letters hit the news, Paula made a joke that he was as bad of a speller as BTK. But that's about as close as they ever got to connecting him to this horrific serial killer.
0: That would have been a, that would have been a movie plot twist if she would have just been like, you spell almost as bad as this guy. Finding your handwriting kind of looks the same, too. And they just kind of look at each other, and it's like, oh.
1: And then he adds another murder to his list.
0: In my mind, she runs away and escapes, but...
1: His daughter, Carrie, has spoken publicly of her experiences and has even published a book called A Serial Killer's Daughter. She says that she will always remember her dad as he was growing up. You know, he was the Boy Scout leader. He attended her high school graduation. He walked her down the aisle. But she has said repeatedly that she can never forgive him for what he did.
0: That's understandable.
1: After his confession in 2005, Paula was granted an emergency divorce, which this term I kept seeing. It sounds so funny, an emergency divorce, but I understand what it means is that she was able to end the marriage immediately without having to wait the standard times. Normally through a divorce you have to file paperwork, wait so long. File paperwork, wait so long. File paperwork, wait so long.
0: When they grant emergency divorces do they just go into the courtroom and the judge gets a tiny hammer and breaks some glass and pulls the paper out and it's just like don't granted? no don't know.
1: I have never witnessed an emergency divorce.
0: Break glass in case of emergency divorce?
1: The reason i am doing this story now is that on august 24th of 2023 details were made public that raider is the prime suspect in two cold cases the osage county sheriff in oklahoma dug up one of raider's previous properties and found quote unquote new items of interest One of the articles that I saw, the Osage County Sheriff said that he got the tip from Raider himself to check that property. So I don't know the details of that. Um, And like, this is very, very recent news and things like that. So there may be more coming. Possibly. Yeah. In 1976, 16-year-old Cynthia Kinney vanished from the family laundromat. Investigators revealed that there was a BTK journal entry called Bad Wash Day from the same time, and it had a lot of similar details to the case. Now, as of yesterday, Osage County District Attorney has stated that the information evidence they have so far is insufficient to press criminal charges, but the cold case investigation is still ongoing. Additionally, uh, Raider had a sketchbook or has a sketchbook. And one of the pictures depicted a blonde woman in a short green dress bound inside of a barn. And one of the things that's kind of upsetting to me is how many serial killers are actually very talented artists.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, because like there's a lot of them that in prison they start painting or they sketch and it's just like... I was just like... (sighs) <sighs> I don't want to appreciate your technique.
0: It's like the straight lines and like the detail and everything like it. Yeah. Despite the creepy subject of the image, like it's actually not bad.
1: Like there's talent there. Yes.
0: Yeah. Like he, he draws a face better than I can.
1: Um. There is a Kansas cold case of Carol Sullins, who was an exotic dancer that was last seeing Wearing a very similar green shirt dress. The possibility of more victims is not surprising to authorities or, you know, true crime enthusiasts. Uh, the FBI Academy's Behavioral Analysis Unit has studied Raider over the years. Uh, Retire Regent uh, Ray Hazelwood, that I mentioned earlier, has said that Raider may be one of the most fascinating serial killers he has ever studied because of how many things are different from the norm with a serial predator like this. Robert Ressler, which may be a well-known name out there, uh, he's another retired FBI profiler, he believes that Raider had more than 10 victims. He said that psychopathic killers do not just stop killing for years or just end the way that he did. So that makes many people suspect that there are still other bodies and other secrets in this case
0: where where else have i heard that name robert Ressler?
1: robert Ressler, he is one of the founding guys of uh behavioral analysis unit fair
0: enough maybe maybe that's where i'm hearing it from is like maybe they probably
1: i've talked about him before um he is a very famous fbi profiler um you know you watched Mind Hunter. You've watched probably Criminal Minds and stuff like that. Yeah. his name does come up a lot in things like
0: that. That's probably where I'm remembering it from. Yeah, I was like, that sounds familiar. I've heard that somewhere.
1: Yes, um, amazing, amazing profiler um, has done a lot of really great stuff for justice. But that, I can take a deep breath. There is the story of Dennis Rader.
0: Thanks.
1: Like I said, I was a little nervous because this is one of those well-known ones out there. Um, there's a lot of people who know a lot of things, which is why I tried to stick to the court transcripts and stick to um, verified information and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's it's one of those ones that'll keep you up at night.
0: Yeah, after I kept you up at night about, maybe someone went through your mail. Maybe there's someone in your closet. I hope not, but
1: Well, actually Wedge loves to sit in our closet up on one of the shelves, so <laughs> there might be a cat in my closet.
0: Yeah, that's fair. If I ever get a cat, that's that's gonna be the thing that I'm gonna have to get used to is just hearing random noises from the closet or under the bed and not freaking out.
1: Oh, you get used to it real quick. It'll be like two o'clock in the morning, you hear something crash downstairs and it's like, eh, it was the cat, it's
0: fine. It'll be fine
1: then serial killer kills me
0: now if it's 2 a.m. and it's dead quiet now we're concerned
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. although i told you wedge has wedge has a schedule and at midnight Mm -hmm. he has to zoom and then eat a snack and then as soon as he is done around 12 30 if i am not in bed under the blankets and cozy i get screamed at because that's when he needs to cuddle up and go to night night
0: Yes, he, he's like, you're You're throwing off my groove, how dare.
1: Anyway, so thank you guys so much for listening. I hope, I know it's not a good story, it's not an enjoyable story, but I hope that you enjoyed the episode.
0: Hope that it was interesting.
1: <laughs> Please don't leave us. What
0: we're saying is we hope you'll come back.
1: Please don't go. Uh, but yeah, so we will... <laughs> We will be back next week for a and Exactly. And enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you very much. We love you. And bye! As always, make sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com.
0: And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday.
1: All right, Cracko, you ready?
0: Bye.